From somewhere in Northeast Indiana, Mike Davidson lives. And now your host of the podcast, Mike Davidson. I got a little college football, a little pro football, literature, thin-skinned comedians, alleged comedians, thin-skinned pop stars, more shows, all sorts of things. It's a full show. Oh, bad winter weather on the way, too. Hell yes, Mr. Rob Roop, thank you very much. It's me, Mike. Mike Davidson Lives. That is the name of the podcast, and you downloaded it, so thank you. Hanging out with me for the next half hour or so. Lots to get through here, and uh, before I get too far into a couple things, uh, for one, unfortunately, R.I.P. Cindy Morgan, actress at the age of 69. In her younger days, she had some roles in movies like Tron, and she was Lacey Underall. Caddyshack, and she had quite a few trysts in that movie. See, if they made that movie today, well, they wouldn't make that movie today. They would make something else and call it Caddyshack, but uh, it just wouldn't be as enticing, and she uh, she was certainly enticing, easy on the eyes, and one of many memorable things about that movie. So uh, condolences to, uh, to her family, and also uh, Speedy Recovery, to Michael Bolton, uh, you know the the crooner, the pop uh, the pop crooner. Um, apparently, he had uh, surgery not too long ago to remove a brain tumor, and uh, he's hoping to recover and get out on the road. So kudos to him. If I remember back in the day in the '90s when he was a big thing, and everybody was just, you know, making fun out of him because it's Michael Bolton, and of course they, they all culminate with the joke in uh, Office Space with. One of the uh, characters being named Michael Bolton and hating having that name because, well, of Michael Bolton. Now, given a couple of examples I'm going to give you later on this podcast, I mean, he could have been thin-skinned and bitched about it, but Michael Bolton, the pop singer, uh, embraced it, and uh, it turns out the dude's got a, got a sense of humor about shit. So, again, uh, the original Michael Bolton. Kudos to you. Hopefully you get back out on the road and do what you do. All right, so uh, I, I didn't get a chance to watch the Chappelle special yet. That will happen probably next weekend uh, when I'm all snowed in. Uh, yeah, we're, we're, right now we got like a winter weather advisory here in northeast Indiana uh, for tonight into Wednesday. It'll only be like an inch or three, and then it'll melt and turn into really cold-ass rain. About three, four hours to our west, just a little bit west of Chicago, uh, they're going to get pounded. And then later on this week, we're going to get pounded. So look, all that snow that didn't show up in December is going to make itself known here in January. Can't wait to drive in that. But uh, this past weekend, when I was able to get out and do things, me and the wife caught, uh, caught the Iron Claw uh, with Zac Efron in it. And uh, good movie, solid movie about the Von Erichs and uh, the alleged Von Erich curse. And... To me, I mean, you would think that a curse would be something supernatural when, uh, as you watch the movie unfold, you realize what that curse is and its obsession and living through other people. And uh, their dad, Fritz von Erich, uh, who was a, the von Erichs, of course, being a wrestling family, uh, the brothers, uh, their dad was very driven. I don't think he was a evil man i just think he was very driven and focused on the wrong things 
And uh, he forced his kids into doing things to bring home honor because he was a former football player, former pro wrestler. He felt like he had opportunities and he didn't get them. So, of course, he's living through his kids and driving them and uh, telling them all this stuff. And, of course, uh, they're so driven that, of course, unfortunately, all but one of the Von Eriks passes away. And the one that does not die, he's still alive, is the one that lets go of that ambition and lives his own life. And, and, as, and as much as it sucks that he lost all of his brothers, uh, he himself had four children with his wife of 40 years and 13 grandchildren. Still alive, has a ranch out in Hawaii. Very cool. But, but I mean, you, you have the Little League dads and the dance moms. It's one thing for a kid to want to go out and do something on their own and be passionate about it. It's another thing when the parents are the ones driving it and making their kids miserable and telling them that's all there is to life. That's just, that's just crazy. Now, uh, I did finish a book, In the Garden of Beasts. I think I'm going to talk more about that next podcast, but it's a 12-year-old book by Eric Larson, the same guy that did uh, The Devil in the White City and uh, The Splendid and the Vile. Uh, a great book, actually, here about uh, an ambassador and his family uh, living, an American ambassador, living in uh, the early days of Hitler's rise in Germany and how craptacular that is. Um, I did draw some parallels, but there's, there's so much to get through in this podcast. I think I'm going to shelve that, so to speak, uh, coming up for the next episode. But um, just not too long ago, Michigan trounced, just trounced Washington. They are national champions, first time for uh, since 1997. At least they're champions for now. It's just... Uh, yeah, Michigan finishes the year 14-0, Jim Harbaugh 8-0. I mean, this is the first time I can recall a guy getting suspended twice in a season and and his team still winning the national championship. Um, and there's some speculation that he is going to be leaving Michigan and maybe go back into the pros. I mean, he had some success in San Francisco. Some people are saying now ah, he might be the head coach of the Bears. He used to play there. Maybe the L.A. Chargers, maybe... Maybe he's taking over for Coach Hoodie out in New England. Hard to say. I mean, the the thing about Jim Harbaugh is, yes, he is a good coach, but he is a very big pain in the ass, and he is very, very wound tight, just wound so tight, and has all these weird nuances. Um, and you know, he kind of jumps from team to team, and the fact that he's been with Michigan as long as he has is kind of a it's kind of a surprise. Um, but, uh, yeah, if uh, if uh, all holds true, he's probably going to be gone coming up at the end of the week or at least here in two weeks because they, they already done um, the firings in the NFL as far as I know. By the way, is, is Black Tuesday, or not Black Tuesday, Black Monday even a thing anymore because uh, it used to be at the end of the NFL season, uh, all the coaches and GMs that sucked throughout the year would get fired, but it just seemed like, uh, at least in the last three or four seasons, that uh, some owners just don't waste any time and just 86 coaches that they don't like. And, of course, Josh McDaniel got fired uh, in uh, Las Vegas. Uh, <laughs> no one's missing him. Uh, Frank Reich um, didn't even get a chance to finish a season with Carolina, but that's a dumpster fire, but... Yeah, uh, Carolina did fire their GM uh, here this week. And, of course, Washington and uh, Atlanta did away with their head coaches. But it's just it's not as big a deal anymore because 
you know, owners just get so frustrated. They think, okay, we're going to turn the season around. And, uh, yeah, we'll just fire the head coach. And nothing happens. I mean, the Colts fired Frank Reich last year. And they replaced him with Jeff Saturday. So, yeah, I, I, that holds true. Okay, so the Colts uh, botched their way out of the playoffs. And, uh, yeah, that was not a good game. The Houston Texans uh, eked their way in. Uh, they won out. Uh, C.J. Stroud is just a, a stud. Uh, but the Colts and the Jags both uh, did not finish the season as well as they should have. So, now on Peacock, I think this is going to be uh, the late game. 4.30... Uh, no, actually, yeah, no. 4.30 on NBC, I think. Texans and Browns, Saturday. Uh, you, of course, will be snowed in. Chiefs and Dolphins on uh, Peacock. Bill Steelers, Saturday. I think that's a CBS game. Cowboys, Packers, Fox. That should be interesting. Lions and Rams, Sunday night game on NBC. And then uh, Monday night football, Eagles, Buccaneers uh, with Joe and Troy. So there you go. Uh, all the uh, pro football that you can handle. Right there as a wild card weekend gets underway. All right, so last episode, um, yeah, kind of a controversial one because basically I called Jimmy Kimmel thin-skinned for not taking the heat that Aaron Rodgers gave him. And for the recap, uh, Aaron Rodgers was on Pat McAfee's show and something was made about um, uh, the the Epstein stuff. Now, with the lawsuit, the, the documents being unsealed, Interesting things, but it's that's not the client list, and uh, that that may never be found. Who knows where that's at if it still exists? Um, but it came up, and, and you know, Aaron Rodgers just kind of said, "Yeah, I bet Jimmy Kimmel doesn't want that list to come out." Uh, when that happens, though, I will be popping a bottle of something. And of course, Jimmy Kimmel took that to a mean that uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers called him a pedophile. All he said is that uh, Jimmy Kimmel didn't want the list to come out. And Jimmy Kimmel fired off that uh, Twitter, that Twitter X, X Twitter or whatever, about uh, how uh, Aaron Rodgers is basically soft brain and a-hole and I will see you in court, blah, 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 blah. And my point was that, well, you know, Aaron Rodgers uh, was has been the subject of many, many jokes from Jimmy Kimmel about some of the stuff he believes. And, and I will be the first to admit, Aaron Rodgers is a little, well, nutty. Can't really say I'm uh, going to Aaron Rodgers for pharmaceutical advice, personally. But Jimmy Kimmel has a late-night show, and he likes to uh, pounce on anybody uh, that he doesn't like in front of a studio audience and try to get the biggest whoops and hollers. And he's done this all the time. And sometimes he does it without uh, the failed jokes he's got. Um, you may recall back in 2020 when uh, Joe Biden... Uh, became president of the United States, and this is like a uh, couple months before the all that January six crap. Um, but Jimmy Kimmel went on the air and was actually astounded that uh, nearly half the country voted for Donald Trump. I can't say I'm a big Trump fan either, but you know he basically said that uh, that's enough for him to make him uh, feel like he overestimated the American voter. Well, Jimmy, not everybody sees life the way you do. That's just how that is. But, I mean, he he takes no chance. He doesn't take a... He does not waste an opportunity, I'll say, 
uh, to vilify somebody that doesn't agree with him politically, even though there are first responders, doctors, nurses, cops, firefighters, uh, lawyers, all sorts of people across this country that probably voted for Trump. Same as with Biden. And uh, just to hammer home the fact that Jimmy Kimmel is a family man, and after all, what Aaron Rodgers said allegedly endangered his family back in 2021 at you know good good nine months after the uh, the election and of course the pandemic was dying down and we had the vaccine out there and of course the vaccine still uh, quite a bit of controversy with that and uh, yeah i'm not going to get into the conspiracy theories but i support a person's right to take the vaccine or not to take the vaccine and Jimmy Kimmel was talking about how uh, Dr. Fauci was troubled by the fact that uh, ICUs were having uh, too much of an influx of patients with COVID. This is what an alleged comedian, alleged late night host joked about. The Joyce doesn't seem so tough to me. Vaccinated person having a heart attack. Yes, come right on in. We'll take care of you. Unvaccinated guy with gobbled horse goo. Rest in peace, Wheezy. End quote. Now, you go to Thanksgiving dinner. You just got done with the holidays. And I know you've got family that you don't agree with 100% of the time. But you would not. You would be upset if that person wasn't there for any other holidays. Like, for whatever reason, you love that person, right? You sit across... You know, you might, you know, bicker and bitch about politics, both of you, no matter where you stand on the issues, where no matter where he or she stands on the issues. But there's something, there's something that, you know, keeps you guys talking, right? Aside from blood. And doctors, ER people, people in the ICU cannot make that distinction who's had the vaccine and who's not. And uh, whether or not they should live or die. You know, do no harm. That's kind of a, an oath. I read that somewhere. So, you know, with me, if I'm ever in trouble, I really don't care if the doctor's a Democrat or a Republican. I want them to, you know, get me out of trouble, get me healthy again. You know, get me back on the road to recovery. And that's the way it should be because, you know, ERs, ICUs, I mean, yeah, people have heart attacks all the time. People have bad reactions to medication all the time. You know, diabetic shock, overdoses on drugs, you know, drinking themselves stupid, uh, playing with knives, texting while driving. There's all sorts of reasons why people end up in those situations. Doctors cannot afford to be judgmental. Not until, of course, after they recover and then they can break their balls about that sort of stuff. Bedside manner is a different thing. All right. What I'm talking about is when somebody is in there at death's door, you want them to save their lives. And here's Jimmy Kimmel joking about, hey, wouldn't it be great if somebody who didn't get the vaccine died? How is that not more dangerous than anything that Aaron Rodgers said? And there's sports media types that are circling wagons around Kimmel, and Kimmel has said way worse than Aaron Rodgers. So, again, yeah, Jimmy Kimmel is a thin-skinned piece of shit who is hypocritical. That's all I have to say about that. Moving on. Now, on to the Golden Globe, something I didn't watch last night because the Bills and the Dolphins were on, and uh, that's far more interesting. But uh, uh, comedian Joe Coy, uh, dude, had a rough night because 
he was in a room telling jokes to humorless people. And, you know, outside of Billy Crystal doing his thing way back in the day with the Oscars, award shows and comedians have always been very, 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 very reluctant bedfellows. I mean, I remember when Dave Letterman got to host the Oscars, and I thought that was a cool thing until it actually happened. And Dave Letterman, who's a little more dry and a little more uh, deadpan and a little more goofy, and of course, he's a witty guy, his jokes just weren't landing because the room is filled with stuffy people. The people that he usually talks to at his desk were in the audience. You know, he... He didn't know how to play up those people in mass, and that's why it failed. Now, Ricky Gervais didn't give an F because he knew people at home would find his stuff funny when he was doing Golden Globes, but the people in the room were just, uh, it's it was basically like the, the, the caddies at Bushwood jumping into the pool for a caddy swim. It was just uh, offensive for him to be there. So Joe Coy's, you know, same gig. And, you know, he's flailing. It's just not translating, except for one joke. Um, and, you know, Taylor Swift, who America can't get enough of, and we all have to like, she was there sipping her drink. And he goes, and Taylor Swift is in the audience tonight. Uh, unlike uh, the NFL, the Golden Globes probably won't be showing her on camera the entire time. And, of course, they cut to her. She removes the drink from her uh, mouth and her lips just get tight. And there's just this really mean, icy glare coming from her. And immediately, her her flying monkeys, a.k.a. insane Swifty Posse, uh, they took to the Twitter X, they took to the Instagram, they took to all that social media and started ripping Joe Coy a new one. And, of course, the media started ripping Joe Coy a new one. He was sexist. He was unfair. She can't control the cameras. How dare you? And, you know, here she is. She can't control the cameras, but she's dressed to the nines at an award show with other people that are dressed to the nines. She's a billionaire. She's the biggest pop star in the world. Yeah, she can't help that cameras are looking at her at all. Yeah, yeah. Yes, she can. If she, if she wanted to, she could go live in the cabin in seclusion for 10 years with all the money she's made and come out of retirement and nobody would bother her as much. She could do that, but she doesn't. And, you know, that's, that's the other thing, too, is I'm looking at social media with all these games. Oh, she can't help but being being looked at. You know, she's up there in the press box with uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes' crazy wife and all their uh, entourage. And it's just, it's so unfair people make a big deal about it. You remember a couple weeks ago when the Chiefs played the Bills and social media erupted about how Taylor Swift just walked by the Bills and was playing mind games with them. Like, th this was as the game was going on, this little story was erupting. Like, oh man, that's that's a mind death if there ever was one. And of course, the Bills end up winning that game. Uh, I found that funny. She could absolutely help this stuff. And the fact that she gives that icy glare, it was almost like a signal like, go get him. Go get Joe Coy. You know, and, and I'm looking at this, uh, I'm not watching the show, mind you, but I'm looking at this, you know, post show, and I'm wondering, you know, he's probably going to be her next three songs, and I'm wondering, will he, uh, will he get uh, any royalties for being the subject of the next three songs?
I I, I had one uh, person on uh, on the Mike Davidson Facebook page point out that if Ricky Gervais told a joke about Taylor Swift, she would still be crying about it the next day. That's true. It would be funnier. Uh, but she just, the, no sense of humor. She could have laughed it off, but she didn't. Can't help it. Okay, whatever. Uh, Oppenheimer had a great night. I guess it won Best Drama. Uh, Christopher Nolan got some kudos. Best Director, Best Supporting Actor, Robert Downey Jr. And, of course, Gillian Murphy, who killed it, um, uh, was best, uh, best Actor in a Drama. So, uh, way to go for them. And uh, Christopher Nolan did the classy thing and gave a, a nice shout-out to the late, great Heath Ledger, who won an Oscar uh, as the Joker, Dark Knight, great movie, and that's the that's the one thing I do like about Christopher Nolan as a filmmaker. Um, a lot of the times that he uses actors, he does build a good relationship with them, and I and I kind of wonder, had Heath Ledger lived, if they would still do more movies together, because I mean, Killian Murphy's done movies with uh, uh, Christopher Nolan. I mean, a lot of movies with Christopher Nolan, as has Michael Caine, uh, as has a lot of them. And uh, he was very appreciative of that. Now, one thing that uh, I found very interesting, Barbie didn't win much, if at all. Uh, it was up for musical or comedy. Of course, this is the biggest movie of the year. It, won a, it earned a billion damn dollars. Take that, dudes. I mean, it was successful. It was the most successful movie financially in Hollywood this year. Um, it did have critical acclaim, you know, Generated some buzz for Ryan Gosling for a nomination or two. And when it came right down to it, you know, was it Greta Gerwig and uh, and uh, everybody, you know, they were going to, you know, clean up at this show. Best Music or Comedy went to Poor Things. And you're probably sitting at home wondering or, or driving in the car going, well, what the hell is a Poor Things? Poor Things is a feminist take on Frankenstein where a doctor... Played by Willem Dafoe brings dead woman to life. Played by, oh God, I'm <laughs> Emma Stone. Um, it's late, uh, and of course she's uh, trying to live her life again, trying to relearn things. It's a commentary about uh, you know sexual freedom and blah 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 blah. And uh, it it beat Barbie, and some people were shocked by this. And I looked at it and I said, no, I am not shocked by this. I saw this coming two months ago when I first heard about this movie. Uh, I looked at it as they were talking to Emma Stone and uh, everybody else involved in the movie. Uh, Willem Dafoe's in it, by the way. Um, and uh, the, the Greek guy that did The Lobster, he's the director of this movie. You know, everybody was hyping this thing out two months ago. And uh, given the premise of it, I was like, okay, this thing... They're going to push heavy for the Oscar. And so to see it beat Barbie for best comedy and musical, it basically became the glass ceiling for Barbie. And you're wondering, well, why is that? And it's because Barbie made too much damn money. In Hollywood, a lot of the artsy-fartsy people that vote have a hard time recognizing the success of capitalism. You may not like the feminist message of Barbie, or maybe you do. It doesn't matter. It still found its audience. And that's what, you know, telling a story is all about. But because it found so much of an audience, it kind of loses that countercultural edge. And the fact that, uh, well, you know, this this movie, Poor Things, it's a little more, you know, avant-garde. Uh, it looks a little more weird. 
it's a little more intense. It's it's a little more adult. You're not relying on a nostalgic plastic doll. And you'll find some hit pieces coming out here in the coming months uh, with Oscar just around the corner saying, and I don't, and I don't expect it to, uh, I don't expect too much disparagement of Barbie. They'll be like, well, Barbie did a fine job of doing this, but poor things take it to a next level and does things that Barbie dare not do. And, of course, that will get the buzz going. And, you know, the, maybe Greta Gerwig somehow sneaks in to win as best director. I don't know because, yeah, it could happen. But there will be a push for this because it is a, it is a smaller film. And that's how they do it with awards nowadays. And you're like, well, how about Oppenheimer won Best Drama? Yes, but it wasn't head-to-head -head with uh, Poor Things. You know, Gere Gre uh, Greta Gerwig could be robbed of an Oscar. Christopher Nolan could be robbed of an Oscar because of this movie. Two of the best performing movies of Hollywood, 2023, could not win, will not win Best Film. That is is a distinct possibility. Not to check on that here coming up when the damn award show happens. But anyway, Willem Dafoe, uh, I think it was this, uh, yesterday? No, it was today. Uh, Monday. It was it was Sunday. Uh, uh, I just saw that he got a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Congrats to him. But I'm like, what the hell? How did this not happen long ago? This guy is crazy. He's a great actor. I mean, platoon, to live and die in L.A. You know, he was... Norman Osborn, for crying out loud. Uh, Nosferatu. He's been in so many friggin' movies. Uh, the one thing I always remember, Willem Dafoe, like uh, Mississippi Burning, when him and uh, Gene Hackman are in that motel room, and some guys, uh, you know, shoot at them with the motel room and, you know, glass shatters. And he's yelling, get down! And he runs out, and he's run. It is actually Willem Dafoe running over these little fences, jumping, and he trips and keeps running. <laughs> jumping and i don't know to me that's impressive freaking acting right there not afraid to twist your ankle fall on your face break your nose that is acting right there and it's about damn time that Willem Dafoe did get some love there all right so a bfi british film institute uh in honor of all things james bond because you know he's probably the greatest action hero britain has ever produced ian fleming of course, uh, made big time by Sean Connery. And, of course, there's been other actors to portray him. He's getting a trigger warning. Like for scenes that are, uh, you know, today sexually taboo or racially insensitive. Or just don't meet the standards of today's society. You know, if you have half a brain, you realize a lot of that stuff. And you're like, well, okay, yeah, that was a different time. I don't need a freaking tag to tell me this but it is amazing that some people would be shocked that a guy who lives uh, every day like his last who goes in to every dangerous scenario possible can be a womanizing hard drinking fast driving deadly assassin who didn't give enough how can somebody be so reckless when his life is always in danger Seriously. Yeah, it's, that's, that's totally not uh, believable. Oh, hey, uh, also, Maestro. I, f I forgot to tell you this. Um, uh, that's Bradley Cooper's passion project. Um, and, uh, you know, he's you know he's directed this movie, and uh, he stars in this movie, and it's on Netflix, I believe, and a lot of users are bitching uh, 
that um, a lot of the dialogue is hard to hear. Yeah, because there's a lot of mumbling between him and, uh, was it Carrie Mulligan? Uh, yeah. Uh, here's, here's an idea. I, and it's because I think a lot of people are in denial. I say this as somebody who works in radio and or used to work in radio for like two decades. And I'm around a lot of loud stuff day in, day out where I'm at now. I'm partially deaf in my right ear. If you can't hear dialogue, use the captions. There's no shame in it. Believe me, I use them all the time. I have to. Even, even if they're screaming, I do it because I have children that scream. It makes it hard to hear. Oh, hey, uh, Ben Affleck doesn't like Duncan. Well, what do you mean? He's the, he's the face of Dunkin' Donuts. I mean, Duncan. We all call it Dunkin' Donuts still, right? You know, he does all the commercials and stuff. Well, I guess uh, on the set of uh, his latest shoot, his latest commercial shoot, uh, he was seen holding a McDonald's cup, which goes to show you that Dunkin' Donuts coffee is a little on the overrated side. I'm not saying it's terrible. It's just it's overrated. That's what I think. I mean, they make a big deal about it. It's okay. It's good with it's good with donuts. It's bakery coffee, and bakery coffee is good, uh, but there are limits to it. That's all I'm saying. Uh, Alabama man got arrested uh, going skinny dipping, streaking at Bass Pro Shop, and a tape of him, a video of him in the tank, walking out of the tank in handcuffs, no pants on. Like you see everything. You see everything. And, you know, some people might feel uncomfortable about it, but, you know, looking at the guy, I feel a lot better about myself. And I think you will, too, as a man. Uh, if, if you just have... I'm not saying you go Google that because you're intentionally looking for that stuff. It's just... It, it will happen. It will happen. You'll see it on your social media feeds. Or uh, one of your buddies uh, who has issues will probably show it to you on their phone. And finally, uh, this guy on Instagram, speaking of issues, Josh Slavin... Uh, he's got an account, and uh, he likes to post the last meals of people that were on death row. Like, uh, like he will recreate meals that, um, uh, say like uh, Ted Bundy. He'll try to re recreate that and eat it. He's obsessed about this. It's, it's like, this was a King of the Hill episode, by the way, where Dale was looking up uh, famous last meals of uh, convicts on death row. Uh, he says that Timothy McVeigh's was very was not very impressive because it was just two pints of mint chocolate chip ice cream. Kind of depressing because I do like mint chip, mint chocolate chip ice cream, and I don't want to be associated with Timothy McVeigh. Uh, I don't know if he was on death row or not. I think he was, but uh, you know, you probably don't want to recreate what uh, Jeffrey Dahmer had as his last meal because it was the taste of broom handle coming quick and often. And with that all said and done, I'm done. Until next time, stay fresh. Cheese You've guys. been listening to Mike Davidson Live. Be sure to check him out on social media. Like him at facebook.com backslash mdavidsonlives. Follow him on Twitter. Look for at davidsonlives.